Hello, this is your weekly Space News Roundup for the 30th of May 2021, read by me, Philip Day of giant-leap.space. We have been given the scientific knowledge, the technical ability, and the materials to pursue the exploration of the universe. 10, 9, ignition sequence start, 3, 2, 1, 0, all engine run... In today's episode, Rolls-Royce officially includes space in their strategic vision for the future, demonstrating some new use cases for their nuclear propulsion and power plants in space. There is some international news on China's Zhurong rover, released days after the fact in that classically Chinese government way. The UK government lays spaceports licensing plans before Parliament to enable space launch next summer. Researchers discover a Chernobyl fungus that could become advanced radiation shielding for future space exploration. Researchers discover a Chernobyl fungus that could become advanced radiation shielding for future space exploration missions to Mars. SSTL's LCNS consortium wants your input on how to move forward, and I'll give you the link. The Satellite Applications Catapult and UK Space Agency publish a new paper explaining the UK space industry opportunities for the next decade. Government funds UK businesses with £2 million to optioneer position, navigation and timing in a departure from the long-held OneWeb hopes in that area. Astroscale select AAC ClydeSpace to build critical subsystems for their end-of-life service satellite platform. And this week's hashtag job of the week is a cracker coming out of RHEA Group, although to find out about a paid internship opportunity with the Mars Society in Utah, USA, please do get in touch. Kicking off this week's very busy news week, Rolls-Royce published their corporate strategic vision and space featured heavily. Midland-based global giant Rolls-Royce published a video which shows some tantalising visualisations of nuclear propulsion and power generation systems in use around the solar system. Dave Gordon leads the Rolls-Royce UK team who are developing on this project. I genuinely think that assuming we can line up the funding, investment and partners, we can bring this into service this decade he told me in an exclusive interview. After years of development, UK government lays spaceport licensing plans before Parliament. There are quite a few prospective spaceports in the UK and some other players which have a strongly vested interest in this legislation. From Cornwall in the southwest of England, through Wales, England and right up to the northernmost islands of Scotland, plans are afoot to provide launch sites for rockets to operate into space from UK soil. Loosely, these rockets fall into three categories, and all three are characterised by at least one UK spaceport planning to apply for a new licence from the Civil Aviation Authority this year, ahead of launch operations next year. The most famous form of rocket launch is a vertical rocket launch from a pad, similar to the SpaceX flights, shuttle launches or Soyuz flights we've all watched with rapture for the past few decades. The second most famous type of launch today is probably horizontal launch. This is where a mothership aircraft launches as an aeroplane before releasing a smaller first stage in the upper atmosphere. Virgin Orbit and Virgin Galactic are both operating variants of this model and plan to do so from Cornwall in the UK too. Finally, rockets can be launched from more imaginative solutions for their first leg. Balloons carrying rockets, known as rockoons, are launched into the upper atmosphere before releasing the rocket in a way not dissimilar to the horizontal launch mode, or ships and barges, forming a mobile launch pad for vertical but seaborne launch, are represented by UK launch companies B2 Space 
and Black Arrow Space Technologies, respectively. Spaceports are not only to host UK hardware. American firm Lockheed Martin has contracted Canadian's ABL to launch rockets from Scotland as soon as next year, whilst Enbra-based Skyrora developed some of their engineering in Eastern Europe, and others are planning for a similar timeline too. Chernobyl fungus found to metabolise radiation instead of light could revolutionise future shielding. American researchers in North Carolina and California have published a paper on radiation shielding for human deep space exploration based on fungi that can attenuate ionising radiation. What does this really mean? As you know, ionising radiation is the dangerous kind because it can cause damage on a microscopic level to equipment and biology. Reducing or attenuating the levels of ionising radiation that make it into human tissues or critical systems can increase the survivability, endurance and experience of astronauts in deep space beyond the Earth's magnetosphere protection. The paper recognises that a multi-layer approach will be required, but suggests that this special fungus, Clodosporium spherospermum, try saying that after a couple of pints, did reduce radiation exposure under test on the International Space Station, by about 2%, and that deployed as shielding should provide about 4% reduction. If the fungal layer was increased in thickness to 21 centimetres, this shielding alone could make Mars surface radiation safe. This could be important for structures that must sit on the surface of the planet, whilst perhaps most habitable areas would remain under the surface. There is obviously much work still to be done to further test the process and hypothesis, but initial findings with flown experimentation on the ISS make for a very promising start. International news, China's Zhurong rover begins her journey. The rover, which touched down successfully last week, has completed the testing required to move on to solid ground. Images released by the China National Space Administration reveal that the rover has experienced the regolith of Utopia Planitia for the first time, rolling a short distance from the bottom of the deployment ramp from the lander stage. If you haven't already and are so inclined, it'd be great if you could like, subscribe and comment on this Space News Roundup. I read all of the comments and respond to almost all of them too, so join the conversation there. Or find me on patreon.com forward slash giant leap to keep the discussion moving and support the channel. SSTL Lunar Communications and Navigation System seeks your collaboration. SSTL, who secured a portion of £2 million in ESA funding, as reported last week, are now reaching out for your help in how best to spend that capital at the ESA LCNS workshop on the 1st of June. This consultation is designed for engagement from the community on what the future of European lunar exploration may look like, in order that SSTL team can design a system which efficiently and effectively services the needs of future missions to the moon. The link to the consultation is in the description. Be sure to let us know if you decide to take part. The UK Space Agency, who commissioned the Satellite Applications Catapult to report on the future of the space industry, have published their findings. UK In-Orbit Servicing Capability, a platform for growth, commissioned by the UK Space Agency with an arguably biased title, is categorised on the Satellite Applications website as marketing. Thus, it might be wise to treat the sentiment with a little caution. However, the data on which the findings are based do tell a compelling story. You will say that the reference list is uninspiring, including only 16 references, of which about half are actually footnotes, which don't reference any data sources, and two are simply a link to the same article on the venerable spacenews.com. We're unaffiliated, but that is a great website. But if you add a method for estimating cost and benefits of space assembly and servicing by astronauts and robots, 
That's by Purvis of the NASA Goddard Space Center, published in 2002, or to the actual research paper which the Space News article is based upon, called Government Space Programs 2019 Report by Euroconsult, you will find that the narrative is supportable. It's probably important to remember that the UK Space Agency is based around commercial space activities, such as those of Japan's Astroscale or our own OneWeb. Her Majesty's government and the same via the RAF or MOD are likely to be an important consumer within our industry, but by no means the biggest player. If the $10 billion annual on-orbit servicing and manufacturing UK share is to be hit by 2030. According to the Catapult, the findings reveal that the UK has the potential to lead the in-orbit servicing and manufacturing market, a sentiment with which I entirely agree, save for one thing, the investment. The report describes London as well-placed to provide venture capital, which is true enough, and referenced the good reputation of UK VC too. However, I think it's fair to say that the UK is not very aggressive with investing, and the risk balance here is vastly more cautious than that from across the pond. Around the world, companies and governments are supporting enormous investment in this area, and whilst UK expertise places us in pole position on the topic, we will soon fall behind if UK companies looking at this segment of the sector are not rapidly provided with more funding, resources and latitude to fail forward. This move may have to be supported by government money to convert cutting-edge opportunities into sensible business decisions in the short mid-term, and there is some evidence that this is starting to happen. The government investment in OneWeb was important, and as the next story shows, they aren't afraid to admit OneWeb isn't a turnkey solution and begin to spend money to support other critical capabilities. Government has dished out £2 million to a number of UK space businesses as they realise OneWeb may not be able to deliver on position, navigation and timing requirements. Ian Annett, who is leading the UK Space Agency as the Deputy Chief Executive for Programme Delivery whilst the Chief Executive role awaits, described opportunity for UK contractors to deliver this capability. It's great to see British skills helping UK Space Agency to develop increasing resilience in PNT from space, he said. PNT, of course, being position, navigation and timing. That's GPS to you and me. Ever since the UK was kicked out of collaborating on the ESA PNT solution, despite providing much of the capability, the UK has been looking for a standalone solution and had hoped that recent government acquisition of OneWeb might prove the silver bullet. The announcement this week shows that the UK Space Agency and Her Majesty's Government aren't willing to put all of their eggs in one basket and have shared £2 million among familiar names, Airbus Defence and Space, CGI, Sirius Analysis Limited, GMV NSL, Inmarsat and Kinetic to provide options. Explaining why UKSA has made this decision, Ian said, The initial funding will help us design options for a new system to support our critical national infrastructure whilst growing the space sector, boosting economic growth and making daily life more secure for people everywhere in the UK. It's not yet clear when the six businesses are expected to publish their findings. Japanese company Astroscale, known as the Space Sweepers, have selected AAC ClydeSpace to provide critical power, avionics and other subsystems. Giant Leapers already know that Astroscale have their demonstration mission ELSA-D in orbit right now, trying to prove a number of systems and operations which have never been conducted before in space. The follow-up mission is called ELSA-M, which has an even more challenging task to perform, including the removal of more than one item of debris, according to John Auburn, who's MD of Astroscale's UK operation and the group CCO. Indeed, we're told that M stands for multi-client. 
The company has awarded a £260,000 contract to AAC Clydespace to provide critical subsystems, including their Starbuck power subsystem and avionics from their Sirius line, as well as other systems and components too. The hashtag Job of the Week this week comes from RHEA Group in Harwell. Thereafter, several positions which are available on our Discord server. Head over to patreon.com forward slash giant leap for access. But our pick of the week is for a space system security engineer. The role supports design, development and implementation of cybersecurity operation solutions for RHEA and its clients with specific attention to the space sector. RHEA says, if you have a passion or interest for cybersecurity and would like to join a team of seasoned experts with diverse backgrounds, you're in the right place at RHEA. So if that sounds good to you and you're a European citizen, punch the link in the description. If you enjoyed this extended version of the News Roundup, please let us know in the comments so that we can tailor our content to your needs. If you're listening on Apple, Spotify or anywhere else there's a like button, please smash it. It's a great way to ensure Giant Leap gets the support we need to continue bringing you the news. On social media, we're using the hashtag Giant Leap where we usually post several times a day. If you'd like to be a part of it there, come and join us there. Thanks for checking in and until next time, remember that every Giant Leap is set up by thousands of small steps. You have been listening to a giant-leap.space news roundup.